May God give you peace. In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I wish I had taken the time to read this gospel lesson before I agreed to preach today. (laughs) I find it one of the more difficult passages, and I find it difficult to discern a lot of comfort in it. So I invite you to join with me as we hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them today. There will be wars and insurrections. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. Well, that sounds like it was ripped right out of the New York Times today, doesn't it? (laughs) As my faith and my calling deepen, I see more and more that, as Christians, we are called to be countercultural. Now, that's not news to us. We hear that from this pulpit many times and from other gatherings and things that we go to. The teachings of Jesus just don't fit into the way our current society tells us we should live. From the constant consumerism to our throwaway attitude towards things and people to the persistent in-your-face dire warnings of our political and or health struggles all coming at us at fever pitch and all designed to keep us frayed and frazzled. But apparently, that's not us. That's not how Jesus tells us to live. We are called to be in the world, but not of it. (coughs) Personally, this drives me to confusion most of the time, and despair some of the time, and distraction all the time. (laughs) Now this month I experienced a bit of a convergence between my diaconal training and my Franciscan studies. A few weeks ago at our deacons conference up in Terrytown, our speaker presented on self-care. Apparently that's the topic that clergy need to be aware of. He spoke of how for the last eight years, and definitely the last three years, we have been in a constant, persistent state of fight or flight mode. Basically, we've been in a permanent state of survival mode. He pointed out that when we are in fight or flight mode, our vagus nerve system, and that's the largest part of our parasympathetic nerve system, it shuts down. All the energy and nerve responses are dedicated to either fighting or flighting. We are not going to be able to make those healthy choices when we're in survival mode. 
rather than that healthy portion control or that serving of the dark leafy greens, we're going to go for the comfort foods, carbs and fats, or as I like to call them, the four basic food groups, salt, sugar, fat, and caffeine. <laughs> we aren't going to make the choice to get up early and go to the gym or to go for a walk or a run or to exercise. Instead, we're going to end up staying in bed, pulling the covers up, and hunkering down for what's coming next. Now, when we manage our stress correctly, the vagus system is able to pull us back into normal operating procedures fairly quickly after an event. If you've ever stepped off the curb and you weren't paying attention, maybe you're looking at your phone, you stepped off the curb and a car whizzes by and honks at you, the adrenaline rushes and you kind of go into this fight or flight mode, or woken up in the middle of the night to a strange sound in your apartment or house, and you get up, you're all nervous, and then you calm down. Or maybe it's a real trauma that you've experienced. But after that, things start to relax, and the vagus nerve system kicks back in and brings you into normalcy. But when the fight or flight situation is so persistent and so prolonged, the vagus nerve system just can't overcome it. Now in my order, the professed brothers spent the past year, or excuse me, the past month, studying poverty. You knew I'd get to poverty at some point. So we've been reflecting on our vow of poverty. Now you might be asking yourself, what does the vagus nerve system and poverty have in common? Well, stay with me. We're going to try to figure that out. We tend to think of poverty in terms of economic poverty, like Francis giving away our possessions, selling our possessions and giving the money to the poor, and living a mendicant life and trusting solely in God to provide our day-to-day -day needs. But as we study poverty, as I have studied poverty, we begin to see that it's not really about what we own, what we possess, but about what possesses us. In my own life, I've discovered that anxiety and worry are my most prized possessions. <laughs> my home, my wallet, my life are just chock full of these, my favorite things, anxiety and worry. I grew up in an environment where if my mother or grandmother didn't have something to worry about, they worried about that. And with my brain being so constantly bombarded with fight-or-flight stimulation, is it any wonder that I have this huge repository of anxiety and worry to just spend whenever I want to? In our culture, the world, it calls us to be overwhelmed, to worry, to accumulate, to accumulate wealth and power, to sort of buffer and protect ourselves. It focuses inward on me, on you. The world offers us a myopic world view that keeps us focused on the self to the exclusion of everything else. The world conforms us by keeping us over-occupied, worried, anxious, 
always grabbing for that next thing that's just out of reach, especially those things that we have little or no control over, such as current political environment, the pandemics, rampant racism and xenophobia, or the new iPhone that just came out, or an 85-inch flat-screen TV. But that's not how we're called to be. As a Franciscan, clergy, Christians. That's not what we're called to live. In the first two verses of Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, he says, we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He calls us to not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sounds a lot to me like resetting the vagus nerve system is a key ingredient to our transformation. As Christians, we are to be transformed from the things of this world to the things above by sacrifice, by giving up ourselves to God's service. Or, put in a Franciscan light, to embrace lady poverty. A poverty of anxiety and worry. What would that look like for me? What would it look like for you? A poverty of things that possess us and draw us away from God and from one another. In our baptismal vows, which we reaffirmed just last week, they call us to a new way of being and provide a really good blueprint for this way of life. It calls us on a daily basis to renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God. To renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. And to renounce our own sinful desires that draw us from the love of God. And then, to turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as our savior. To put our whole trust in God's grace and love. To follow and obey Jesus as our Lord to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and to strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. It's almost as if each line of the baptismal covenant matches each line of these dire warnings in the gospel today. This is our blueprint for poverty. It's our blueprint for peace. It's our blueprint for resetting. 
This is how we combat the overwhelming clutches of our current culture. And it's not easy. It was never meant to be easy. It's a struggle. It's a lifelong journey. Some days we make great strides, and other days we crawl back under the covers, pull them up, our vagus nerve system shuts down, and we hunker down for what's next. Or, as I like to put it in the words of a country western song, some days you're the windshield, and some days you're the bug. <laughs> but again, it was never meant to be easy. It's a journey, one in which we keep trying, we keep examining, we keep growing, and we keep loving. Little by little, we begin to be transformed. We meet together to be nourished and reminded of who and what we are. That's exactly what we're doing here today. By being together, listening together, singing, praying, making Eucharist together, yes, even eating cookies and drinking coffee together, we are being transformed thought by thought, cell by cell, nerve impulse by nerve impulse, heart by heart. And Jesus assures us in today's gospel that by our endurance, we will gain our souls. Amen.